Welcome back to Back Podcasts with Matt O'Brien. I'm Thomas Krulikowski. We didn't do this yesterday when we talked when we had our Panther-centric podcast. Uh, so this one's not going to be just flyers. We're going to throw some Panthers on top of it. I want to give an update to Henrik Hapala. Earlier this year, we talked about where was Hapala for training camp, what's going on with that. We didn't really know. Well, luckily, we have amazing listeners, uh, and this one is an amazing listener from Finland. That is Petri. I'm going to butcher this last name. Yeah, we're sorry in advance, Petri. <laughs> Vdempa? My guess is, yeah, Vdempa. Anything, anything I was going to say is probably going <laughs> to come off a little too Frenchy and, and wrong. So uh, I apologize. But according... We'll just call him Petri. <laughs> yeah, I think I can, uh, I can do well with that one. Uh, he linked some Finnish articles and uh, talking about how he needed to recover from the talent, saying they needed to recover from injury. And last season, you know, he needed to prove a little more, and they're just letting him take a full season in Finland to get back up to speed. Um, but Hapla doesn't seem to be uh, too upset or too worried about it. Uh, and um, let me see. Let's just pull... And his aim is to get back in shape, and he and he thinks he can make the NHL next season. Um, so that's good news. It, Henry it, it, it is would not be nice. It would be nice to learn now. that from the Panthers, though, and not have to you know rely on a listener to to our podcast to know that yeah he was a little injured, he had some surgery, and uh, you know wants to recover over in Finland. But you know his doctors are pro- you know over there and uh, his family, and I'm sure it's a lot easier. Uh, to rehab over there than than being in a new country and uh, trying to figure it out over here. Uh, so, yeah, like you said, it's good that we're not just ignoring him and, and, and signed him just to give him the Holtram treatment and, and leave him over there. Uh, and it appears he's having a pretty decent year again this year. So uh, we hope to see him in, in the Florida Panthers uniform next year. That's for sure. Yeah, he's in uh, he's in Switzerland right now playing for Lugano. Um Obviously, he's coming back from hip surgery. And, and you know, we saw with Nolan Patrick, we saw with Claude Giroux from our Flyers games, you know, just how much like a hernia or like some hip things, it, it does take like a year, a year and a half to fully get yourself back to your foundation to build back into game shape. Um, and, yeah, you know, l- luckily it doesn't affect you too NHL, much. If you're borderline NHL, just trying to get, you know, like it, it might be better for him to go back into Finland uh, to, to fight through that. So um, I'm, I'm happy that it's at least neutral, if not positive news on Hapua and not, you know, confirmation of, oh, uh, yeah, this is just them getting rid of Hapua because they didn't plan on using him or whatever. So thank you, Petri. Really appreciate it. We're sorry. I mean, he gave us this update um, oh, <laughs> at the end of, uh, early October, I think. So uh, we're a little sorry it took us a while to get to it. Um, but blame me for not checking our Gmail as much as I should. Um, while we're already talking about the Panthers, and uh, we got the Panthers fans' attention on this podcast, uh, listen to yesterday's Panthers podcast we posted. If you're listening to this one, you probably already went through it, but maybe you just skipped it. Uh, and then also go to the Rat Trick uh, I have something up there on the five steps. I think it was posted on Monday or Sunday or someday. 
um, on the five steps the Panthers need to do. Uh, last night's was more of the same. It was in Chicago-like collapse um, against a team um, that has, you know, good defense and good goaltending, but is struggling to score goals and, and create dangerous chances, just like the uh, the Panthers. Uh, and basically, I, what I'm taking from that game, what I'm taking from what's, you know, the messaging before that game and then the dead silence after is, you know, the fan base is starting to sink, the growing knowledge is starting to sink in, that nothing's really changing. And it's very depressing. It's it's doing, uh, you can see what it's doing to the stands. Um, and, yep, you know. 9,000 attendants last night uh, as much as as much as we will continue to say the panthers need to do x y and z there's a good argument to be made and a lot of people on twitter are making this argument and off twitter are making this argument to me people who used to run panthers blogs people who do run panthers blogs people who know people in the hockey industry uh basically saying if the issue like you know it might the talent might the issue might not be bugner or talent or anything, the issue might still be that it's a top-down issue. You know, it's just until the top. The fish rots from the head. But, yeah, you know, it's it doesn't matter who's in the GM chair. It doesn't matter who's in the coaching chair because you're going to get some sort of reiteration of this because, you know, whether it's a budget thing, whether it's knowing how to use the budget that they set forth, um and hiring the right people to execute against it or, you know, whether they're too involved or not involved enough or whatever, um, you know, it, this is definitely starting to become more of a ownership and franchise mentality and attitude and overall plan issue. Um, and, and not just, you know, one or two people making bad mistakes as, you know, the years and the changes, um, I think are showing. Do you have any final thoughts, uh, on, on Florida before we head into some general NHL stuff and then into the flyer stuff? Uh, I mean, just once again against the Ducks, it was, you know, if you take away the first minute and the last minute of the game, they, they either played with or outplayed the Anaheim Ducks for 58 minutes, uh, and came up with a loss and, you know, I'm naturally going to blame the goalie on at least two of the three goals last night. Uh, you know, you can argue that the, the deflection to make it 2-2 was not Reimer's fault, but but it's something I've said countless times whenever he's in net. Is he doesn't look like he knows where he needs to be. Uh, he was way too far out on a shot from the point. Uh, the puck was going wide, sure, uh, but there was two feet of space uh, between his leg and the post that Nick Ritchie was able to deflect the puck past. I mean, that's just got to be – that's got to be a safe. The puck's going wide. Uh, you you need to know where your net is, and, and you need to, to make that save. Uh, and, and it's those types of goals that it's really no wonder. I, I mean, you can't blame him for for the team not starting in front of him, giving up a, a goal 15 seconds in and, and, and being, you know, downtrodden because of, of goaltending then. But, you know – it's tough when you're consistently out shooting teams almost two to one uh, and your goalie can't, can't come up with, with 25, 24 saves in a game. Uh, uh, that hurts. 
Uh, I've played on teams with bad goalies that, that gave up goals like that, and it's really hard to rebound. It's really hard to come out and be aggressive or play the game you want to play because in the back of your mind, uh, you have to wonder, you know, what shot is going to go in this time. Yeah, and, you know, like you said, you're not excusing the team. The team didn't really... I mean, you can't give up a goal 15 seconds in, but, you know... I mean, the team at the start the game and the team to finish the game didn't play what they needed to play to protect themselves against giving up soft goals, to avoid it, you know, and cut it off. Uh, at the pass before it happened. And, and, you know, and fact, every, if, everyone if, deserves some blame for that. And in fact, if Anaheim, I still kind of want to look into this. Uh, if Anaheim did not, um, you know, score that goal with a minute 22 left or whatever it was, and it went to overtime, uh, I, I would like to see the percentage of games uh, that the Florida Panthers have gone to overtime in the last, I don't know, three to five years. Because, um, you know, that's everyone's argument of, well, you know, we're a competitive team, we're in it, we go to overtime, you know, we play so many one-goal games, but we're always, it seems like, on the wrong end of it. Um, and I take more two-to-three goal games than it meant. Confidence, yeah. Sure. And I would take more uh, two-to-three goal margin games, uh, even if it meant losing more games by two-to-three goals, if it meant winning more by two-to-three goals as well. Um, you know. Just being competitive, uh, that's the, the loser mentality uh, that, that the Panthers and, and fans kind of need to get over. Uh, we, we shouldn't just be happy that they're a team uh, anymore. That was great in the 90s, but uh, at some point you got to take the next step and start winning. And, and it doesn't look like it's going to happen again this year. Uh, and you know they're going to make all sorts of promises in the off season again, and and probably fail to deliver. Uh, and something needs to change eventually. Waivers are starting to get a little more active and a little more interesting uh, today on waivers. Valentin Zykov, Scott Darling, both from Carolina, and Nikita Shostnikov from St. Louis, also by way of Toronto. Um, he's played there in the past. Uh, ben Street, Anaheim. Uh, I don't know how big Ben. I don't really. Ben Street. I mean, with a name like that, how am I going to, how am I supposed to care for you? <laughs> uh, claimed on waivers from yesterday, Dia from the Devils uh, got picked up by, by Pittsburgh. Uh, that, that makes sense. He's gone back and forth from there. Uh, Calvin Picard from Philadelphia, the goalie, was picked up by Arizona. I don't know if Florida would have benefited from a card. I don't think Philadelphia will miss him. Uh, you know, he's at this point. I don't know if I wouldn't have tried him, but I definitely wouldn't have had high expectations. Yeah, I, I mean, I think uh, as much as it, it annoys me that the Flyers have had like 25 goalies in the last five years, uh, you know, it's clearly not working in Florida that you, you gotta at some point pick up a different goalie and try him. Uh, Hutchinson didn't work. Reimer's not working. Uh, you you got to do something else. Well, that that's the funny thing about our situation. Um, we're we're fans of the Panthers and the Flyers, who are both tied for dead last in the East with 22 points. Flyers have played 24 games, so they're technically in last. Panthers have only played 23. They have a magical game in hand. Um, and then it's funny because you know. They're bad, maybe, and for different reasons. 
Um, you know, the, the Flyers maybe are too quick too to impet- change. Yeah, too <laughs> impetuous, too quick to change, or you know, their changes are um, more penny wise, pound foolish, and less balanced to you know maybe not do too much damage on the back end as well. Like they always make moves where there's a lot of risk on the back end if they don't, if things don't work out. They seem to like those big, big risk, big wins type of moves. Um, and, you know, the Panthers on the other end, um, you know, like you said, are inactive or choose um, caution, choose um, inactivity uh, <laughs> or, you know, cheap alternatives to change uh, when presented than, you know, doing anything substantial or um, bailing themselves out with their owner's money. At least you can say it's going to be interesting. At least you can say they're trying. At least you can say that Comcast and Dave Scott, the CEO or whatever he is, um, are going to be doing something to get fans in the seats, to get fans happy well, and, and to and start winning crazy. hockey. It's crazy because I used to to hate Ed Snyder for you know kind of jumping the gun and making big moves that uh, were risky and it didn't work out. Uh, but now that he's gone, uh, one thing I do really miss uh, in, in ownership groups is is his desire to win. Uh, he did those you know he made those moves. He forced his GM's hand uh, to to make moves to do things uh, because he wanted to win. He he didn't want to be patient. Uh, and, and, you know, to his detriment sometimes and, and to the team's detriment. Uh, but he always had the the best interests of the team in, in his mind and in his heart. And, and, you know, he did what he felt he needed to do uh, to get that team to the next level. Uh, and, and that's what I really miss. Um, you know, an it, owner it, as it, competitive it, as the players. Yeah, it, it doesn't seem nowadays that that many owners in, in almost any sport um, have the desire to win. Uh, that Ed Snyder did, uh, and, and I think that's missing. Uh, I, I don't understand why you uh, are involved in any part of the sporting world uh, without that competitive spirit, without that desire to win. Uh, it, it, you know, it shouldn't be about making money or your... anything. It should be about winning. That, that That's what sports is about. But I don't even think it's about making money either. I mean, I think it's so, you know, they have something to do when they go to their Florida homes. And um, when they go to Florida, they're big members of that community. They get to, you know, what they get to help change legislation. They get to be a part of the county boards. They get to get in, you know, their kids can go to what schools they need to go to and all this stuff because they're the Florida Panthers owners or um, they have clout. And it's not just, and, and when he, you know, when Violas goes and sits down at big tables with big guys and they, they, they unzip the pants and they lay it on the table and they say, how many companies do you have? What do you own? What do you, you know? Yeah, you know, I think it's just cap. the membership of the exclusive club. Uh, you know, only 31 yeah. people get to say that they own an NHL franchise and uh, they you have that much that money, club. You, you run, like, you know, like you stop buying cars and start buying franchise <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh. and you know 100 million dollar manhattan pads and stuff and you know it's we'll never it's a world we'll never understand that's for sure um, 
if only Doug Zifu had like 10,000 season tickets that he could give away for free. We might finally have a sellout. Here's the problem, though. They need the money. <laughs> they need, if they need all the money, if, if you know, if they're not just going to be dumping up their personal money to bail out the team and, you know, the team spend is going to be based on the team revenue and they're going to, you know, build along with the team and stuff, you're going to need to think of way better strategies to get people in than giving away tickets for positive messages at, like, the one-to-one level. And, and you know, I I... During the game last night, I was watching the Panthers feed, and, and they had a, a commercial that next year's season tickets are now on sale. Uh, who was buying season tickets at this point of the year for next year w- with what you've done on what, the ice? And at what price do you have to sell them at to get someone to sign up for them now? Right. You're, you're barely getting 9,000 people a game right now, uh, and, and you're making a push for season tickets for next year. Why, why is anyone – people with season tickets this year aren't even going to the games. Uh, I've seen on Twitter and online, all, oh, I had tickets that game. I didn't bother going. We were probably going to lose. It, it, You know, you got to do something to sell tickets. You, you can't just expect it, – it's, it, it's not a chicken or the egg situation. Wins come before you get fans. Uh, it, it's well known. All right. I love it. I love it. I love that for some reason we're still passionate about this Florida team. And for whatever reason, we're still saying like they could do something if they changed X, Y, and Z. Um, but I think, you know, let's, let's make the clean break to the Flyers, uh, who are at least willing to entertain ideas of what they could do and, and put those into action. Um, I think let's quickly lay out exactly what's happened and then I can get your thoughts on it and everything. Cause I think, um, one, I'm in New Hampshire, so, uh, it's a little harder for me to be as surrounded by Philadelphia media, which is entertaining and loud and you know exactly what they're feeling. Um, so I want to get your opinion on that. Uh, and, and some of the friends that are big that are fire fans, you know what they're thinking. Um, but, the big, the first shoe to drop was Hexel being filed, fired. Dave Scott uh, from Comcast being more involved, sitting down and being the other voice behind a microphone with Holmgren when they, you know, somewhat answered questions. Uh, as, as, <laughs> they took questions. I wouldn't say they answered them. <laughs> right. We we know that their Homer's heading up the search. That Dean Lombardi said that he does not want to stay on with the team. He's out of loyalty to Hexel, but he will finish his duties, help find a new GM and transition it that since Hexel's left and, uh, and, and move on after that. So they said it'll take weeks, not months. Uh, right now it looks like the rumors are it's Chuck Fletcher from Minnesota's job to lose. And they're meeting with them today as we're recording this. Um, I don't know if it's going to be weeks, if that's the case, I think it'll probably be a week if that's the case or days, um, but there's also Buffalo's assistant GM, uh, Greeley, who worked with the Rangers, worked with BU and scouting. So he has, um, some solid, um, youth experience, some solid, you know, twenties getting players transitioned to the NHL experience, which is, which is nice. Um, Ron Francis, former general manager from the Hurricanes, but 
Last I heard, he really was only looking to like advise. He was not looking to GM again. He he really didn't, didn't like that. Uh, and then you know guys like Mark Hunter, I'm sure will get a call. Uh, there's talk that Dave Notice got a courtesy call, <laughs> which the fact that Dave Notice still gets courtesy calls when a GM slot opens up is about all you need to know that it's an old boys club. Um, scout Chris Pryor, we talked about, was gone. D coach Murphy's gone. Pryor is a big loss. I mean, he he drafted a lot of that core and scouted a lot of that core that and that depth that you know we the reason we still even entertain watching the Flyers. <laughs> well, I think you know with those types of moves with Hextall and, and him being gone, it seems that the philosophical differences were not in you know drafting and and, and all that, but more the trajectory after they're drafted the the hesitation and unwillingness to bring some of these guys up that's where it seems that the philosophical differences are uh that homer alluded to in his press conference that uh and and, you know there was an article about carter hart uh the other day before the uh senators game that you know the whole article was talking about how you know lauding him for his ability to speak to the media he's he's calculated it in what he says uh, and the biggest quote from that was, I'm not happy with the with the path they have me on. Uh, I want to be in the NHL sooner than later, and I'm going to do any, everything I can to get there. Uh, and from someone you're saying, you know, talks to the media very well, uh, that's a big indication to me that, you know, if you slow play him and, and keep him down against his wishes, he, he might sour on the, the city of Philadelphia fairly quickly i mean he was i want to play in philly i I really like the fans i really like the area but uh you got about till the start of next season to bring me up or i'm i'm not going to be happy playing there anymore i mean they could back into that i mean there's also the rumors that they wanted hextall to fire hackstall and hire coach q and he wouldn't do it uh, there's, 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 which deserves to that, be fired if, if you don't want to hire Coach Q. Uh, right. And, and I think that there was, um, also a story put out after Murphy was fired that him and Provorov and some of the other D were not on the same page. Not that it was contentious and they didn't like each other, but they had different ideas of how to work on a day to day basis and it just wasn't working out. And if that's the case, Murphy needs to go too because you know Provorov isn't going. No. Uh, so that's so that I think that lays out pretty much the whole situation. Gritty is still here, which is good, and um, I don't think he's gotten a call for the GM gig. But I bet you I there would not be list, any though. criticism. <laughs> there, there would be no criticism from fans. I can get and guarantee you that. Um, so I guess I'll probably I only really have one question for you, and then the rest I think we can just kind of free. Replay, look at the um, cap friendly and, and shit, and just kind of just kind of talk. Uh, was this the right time mid season to do Hextall? Hextall first on that day when they did it without a re- replacement. You know, like was it the right choice? I mean, I think the you know I get you're not allowed or not supposed to talk to people while you still have a general manager uh, employed, um, but. You know, the fact that they're willing to go a couple weeks here without a general manager was kind of surprising to me. Uh, but in terms of, you know, what their duties are and all that, yeah, I think now is the, the best time. You, you let, uh, you know, the next GM have kind of, uh, what, 
three, four months before the trade deadline, three months probably before the trade deadline to figure out uh, if he needs to make any moves in season. Uh, gives them, you know, three quarters of the season to work with the staff with uh, scouting and, and who they're going to draft. Um, yeah, I mean, sooner rather than later is probably the best bet. Um, but it depends kind of how long that position's vacant, whether it was worth it at this point or not. I agree. I think for me, there's two reasons why I think it was the right time to do it in season rather than waiting till the end of the season. Like, I think if they fired Hackstall, let Hackstall hire another coach, and then just ditched Hackstall at the end of the season, um, it, it would have been a, created a really chaotic situation. Like you said. Yeah, especially with, they, you know, where they're projected to draft right now. You know, they, they can't afford to mess that up. They, they need to give that their replacement time to, uh, you know, kind of figure out where they're going to be drafted and, and, and scout the players accordingly. Uh, and, you, you, yeah, you can't afford to mess that up. You, you need to give them time to, to get on the same page with scouts. You're not cleaning the whole house, uh, so to speak. So, you know, I'm sure the scouts and all them are still working on that. Uh, and you need to give them time to communicate with the general manager what they're thinking, uh, pro scouts to, to say, you know, I think it's time we move on from this player. Or, uh, you know, we've heard that uh, this player from one team's available. Let's see what we can, can get with that. And let's face it, I, I mean, if it takes a week, it, it'll be too late. But uh, one of the rumors was Hextall was, was unwilling to make a move for, for Willie Nylander. Uh, and you only have now two days uh, to get a trade for that done if you want him to, to play in the playoffs. The good news is, if you want to swing a big trade, the guy currently rock, rocking the phone is Paul Holmgren, and he will swing a big trade, and he can do it in little amount of time or a whole year. He doesn't, you know, he can do it however fast you need it. Um, it might not work out the way you wanted it or thought it would, but uh, you get it done for But it. he pulls the trigger, yeah. Yeah. Um, another, like, if we talk about this team. They have so many prospects, so many contracts. So, I mean, this is, this isn't coming in. I mean, I'm not trying to make fun of smaller market teams or, or teams like the Panthers and stuff, but if you were coming in to be a GM of the Panthers, uh, you'd have less work to do than coming in to be a GM of the Flyers just because you have less players, less employees you have to get to know. Um, you know, he's going to, the AHL squad is just, Chock full of prospects. If you look at their cap friendly list, they have so they have Latera's 4.7 million coming off the books after this year. They need a GM who's going to know how to spend that. You have Simmons coming up. That's going to be a critical deal. Um, you know, there's a lot of RFAs uh, out there, including Sandheim and Provorov, Konechny, Lawton. I mean, Lawton's not too big of one, but you don't want to get stumbled up by it. Uh, there's a lot of goalies changes. So if you if you, this is a GM who's going to be winning the cup, you want him to be the guy who, who the the floodgates are opening. This is the crux of the best time to put someone in. Yeah, and that was that was one of the big uh, things that they did actually, you know, say in their press conference and, and took questions of uh, was we have a lot of cap space. Uh, you know, like like you said, there's a lot of players uh, under contract right now, but they're, they're going to have a lot of cap space coming up, and, and they need to find the guy that's going to utilize that uh, in the right way. Um, and, you know, you never know. Maybe that was Hextall willing to 
uh, offer Wayne Simmons a, a massive contract and, and ownership uh, and homegrown as, as president didn't really like that. Uh, there's a lot of speculation going on, but you know, like you said, that the next GM is going to have a lot of room to work with. He has a lot of uh, entry level and, and, and low money contracts uh, that are NHL ready uh, and and can be put into the lineup if you make a trade for uh, you know draft picks or, or something like that. Uh, you have a lot of replacements uh, waiting in the wings. Unfortunately, uh, one of our favorites, Rubsov, is out for the rest of the season. But uh, you know that's a guy that you might look at. He might make the team next year. Maybe that's you let Scott Lawton go and, and give Rubsov the the fourth line center next year. Yeah, and and this is why if it's going to be Chuck Fletcher, if it's going to be Ron Francis, if it's going to be Mark Hunter, you need to get him in here. You need to get him a couple months to get up to speed, and then a couple months to decide what he wants to do because you're asking him to turn this into a cup team through the core of these young players. So that's giving him, what, five years? I mean, like every GM gets five years, but, you know, three to five years to I mean, to In Philadelphia, it's probably closer to three. Yeah, I mean, they, they said that they want to win now, not two to three years from now. So I feel like, you know, they need to be having – they need to win playoff series. Yeah, uh, and you know, this year or next year. One of the yeah, graphics so they had up during the press conference was uh, the results from the last couple seasons, and the Flyers are uh, make the playoffs, miss the playoffs. You know, for for the last five years, they they Philadelphia does not take uh, losing very well. Uh, they want to at least make the dance every year, uh, and as they should. I mean, the, yeah. the amount of money that they like. If, if you think, I mean, maybe parking is about the same in Florida as Philadelphia, but I mean, like, it is as hard to get there, as much traffic, uh, the prices are exorbitant, and, you know, the team spends so much on on everything. I and, mean, there's such a huge... And let's face it, they're, they're embarrassed at the type of... They're they're embarrassed of the type of attendance that they've had the last couple of games. Fans don't want to go anymore because what's the point? Now, I'm wasting a hundred dollars between uh, you know food, drinks, parking. Uh, not you know that's not even counting tickets. Uh, you know, w- p- fans are spending a hundred dollars just to go down to the game. Uh, and yeah, and to, if, to watch and a loss. Losing, and, if, and if they're losing, it's definitely one more nine dollar beer than usual. Yeah, just to stomach it. <laughs> Alright, so who not nine dollars is fairly generous for a beer that that's like a Bud Light. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. <laughs> that is very true. Um are any of the names rumored with the pick uh of for GM um scare you, intrigue you, or is it all just kinda like they'd all be good enough? Uh uh I like the Greeley uh from Buffalo. Um you know, I think the Flyers one of the things that, that always annoys me about them is they are the definition of the old boys club. Uh, I'm happy that most of the names uh, on the list don't have um, a connection to Philadelphia uh, prior to this. Uh, so that's nice. Usually it's definitely an old player. Or, uh, that's, you know, that's usually the first requirement. Yeah. So, you know, it's nice seeing that. And, and uh, I, I think – through the last couple of years, the Flyers have been trying to, you know, hop on the youth movement train, uh, 
uh, and it would be better to get a, a kind of newer message and new age NHL type of GM uh, to, to pull the strings there instead of, you know, Fletcher is probably uh, the best bet, the safest bet, at least, I'd say. Um, he's had success. Minnesota makes the playoffs fairly often, but they don't they don't do anything. They've never taken that next step. So I'd be kind of hesitant on that. Um, you know, he did build a, a, a good franchise there, but, uh, like I said, Philadelphia doesn't take losing They They don't want to just make, uh, the second round of the playoffs or, or just make the playoffs every year. They want to go to the conference finals. They want to go to the Stanley cup finals. They want to win. Uh, and so I don't know if Fletcher is the right guy for that. Uh, and yeah, I mean, that's my big requirement is just go for someone outside. Don't, don't bring in another old Philadelphia boy that, uh, you know, is just going to maintain the status quo. Bring someone in that might shake it up a little bit and, uh, give you a new message. The uh, the Minnesota Wild blog, Evolving Wild, had a pretty good thread on their evaluation of the Fletcher years. And, you know, the one thing they did say is there was only one time, really, that ownership like kind of opened up the purses and kind of let him have the money. And that was to sign guys that the ownership wanted and put out the Suter and Parisi contracts, um, which, you know, I wonder if Fletcher, with the backing of Comcast, with all this cap space and everything, would be a different Fletcher um, and would be somebody that maybe would result in better results than he saw in Minnesota. The one thing you can say is for the teams he put together in Minnesota, um, they all played hard. They they were in every game. Um, They beat a lot of teams that were better than them. Um, And they played a mix of the style Philly likes, but progressive puck possession hockey. I mean, they got guys like Nino Niederreiter who are, would be welcomed in Philadelphia, but also puts up good advanced stats, plays hockey in a way that um, is exciting for fans and also um, is tailored to the 2018. Yeah. You know, he also, I think was the one that traded away Brent Burns though. So, (laughs) I I don't know. But uh, you know, was, and, and you know, everyone everyone get? gets one. Uh, and Brent Burns was not Brent Burns. You know, Brent Burns in San Jose was not the same one uh, that was in Minnesota. And I do believe he was probably um, the voice that kind of uh, put Brent Burns back on defense, uh, which is where he excelled. Uh, he was a winger uh, when he in his first couple years in Minnesota. So. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, he does uh, construct a team to be more of a playoff team, uh, and when that's your ultimate goal, uh, you know, his, that would certainly be what Philadelphia is looking to. Um, it's just with so many young guys and all that, I would like someone uh, to manage uh, contracts very well. Uh, you know, manage expectations of the young players. And, uh, you know, he had the experience at BU. Yeah, I don't think he is going to have to, um, you know, recruit players 
uh, to come to Philadelphia. It's pretty easy uh, for players to want to come here outside the original six. I think Philadelphia is probably, uh, you know, the biggest franchise that players uh, want to go for because of, you know, history and the city and, and all that. Um, I, I know they need to make a decision fairly soon. It was weird that, you know, they're willing to go uh, a couple weeks or, you know, he's had not months, but we'll see. Uh, and the other thing that was kind of interesting to me, uh, if the whole plan is to give the GM, uh, the new GM, the, the authority to bring in a new coach or, or make the decision on the coaching staff now, uh, you know, if you were willing to to let the new GM fire and bring in a new coach, why not just get rid of Hextall, uh along with Hextall? Uh You know, so I, the only that that's the weird thing to me is that it doesn't seem like they want to get rid of Hextall. and you know, you can understand it, but uh, at the same time, he hasn't really delivered on promises, and uh, you know, one of the things I think. It was during the press conference they were talking about Dave Haxtell that he was a, a very fiery and uh, kind of in-your-face coach at, at North Dakota. And, you know, what happened to that? Well, is it because they're being paid and the professionals and, and, and NHL players won't stand for that, that he had to kind of relax a little bit? Uh, but then you see with the New York Rangers, uh, they brought in a college coach and, and he's treating them very much like a college team and, and it's paying off very handsomely for him. I think the big difference is that team that have like a Claude Giroux who's very uh, established in the league and just probably, frankly, him and Voracek and stuff just wouldn't put up with that probably. Yeah. Um, I mean, we know what they did with Dry Island. So um, it's not like, I mean, the best thing about Philadelphia really is their players just, they they don't take shit even from their own coach when they don't like their coach. I mean, this goes back to Bill Barber and, you know, it's it's a Philadelphia tradition. So uh, when you hear about some of the things, probably about like Murphy and Hacksaw soon, um, it won't be a shock. You're right, though. It's it's very interesting the way in which they did it. I mean, I think what I would assume is they tried to do the GM thing behind closed doors, get somebody to agree tentatively, whatever. Um, and they just weren't getting anywhere, uh, or they weren't getting, they needed to draw the attention of somebody important or something. Um, and they just figured. That's the safer one. You know, if you, if you leave yeah. a vacancy behind the bench, it, it can very much affect the player well, on the I mean, ice, uh, in guess... the immediate term. Whereas the GM, I'm sure the players, some of them weren't happy about it. Uh, but it's not like the messaging in the locker room was completely different from, you know, they did have a game the next day. They, they did need a coach. It's hard for Hacksaw, that, though, so. to, I mean, but then you can also argue that it's hard for Hacksaw to have a, an effective message in the locker room when it's pretty obvious that he's the next to go. Yeah, um, uh, but, you know, Ed. I, I thought, especially after blowing a two-goal lead in the last eight minutes of a game against the Ottawa Senators, it, you know, if you were – Unwilling to fire him before that, that certainly would have been the tipping point for me. Uh, and that's why I, I honestly think you might see Hackstall behind the bench till at least end the season. Uh, or, or maybe at least until they're completely out of uh, playoff contention. Uh, they might bring someone in for the last 10 games or whatever. But 
you know, it, it's if you're not going to fire him now with, with everything that's going on, I I don't think you're going to going to see him get fired at all. Possibly, there is a chance that they are maybe sitting down with some general managers uh, and just saying, like, you know, who are the coaches you would want to hire and. You know, they might say, well, we'd rather just stay with Hackstall. And once you get rid of Hackstall, you can't go back to him. Um, obviously, Murphy wasn't going to be able to step in. So who steps in in the meantime? Ian LaPerriere, who runs their, one of the worst penalty kills I've ever seen in my life. Um, it, maybe it makes sense to just, you know, it's it's untenable for uh, Hackstall. And it's probably um, unfair to Hackstall to kind of leave him twirling in the wind like this. But efficiency wise and stuff i can see why comcast just decided to do it like i mean it's comcast they don't give a shit they'll let them twist in the wind as long as they can <laughs> that's you know, true customer service to... is not their strong suit, so <laughs> but if they're sitting down with these general managers they might say chuck or or really or, or ron francis or hunter or whoever they're interviewing gave notice uh <laughs> you know these are our priorities the things we want to see changed and these are the order we want. We think that they should be changed in. And these are the tentative deadlines that we'd like to see them changed by. What are your thoughts? And, and you know, they might have Hackstall below. They might have goalie getting, you know, getting the con like Simmons contract, and maybe even trading Voracek or you know figuring out next year's plan first before the coach. And the a GM might say, I believe that too, and they head that way or. You know, the guy they really want might say, listen, I, I, I want to bring in this coach and just see if he works before we do the search in the offseason. Yeah, and, and one of the things I thought was, you know, the philosophical differences that they keep talking about, uh, that Hackstall had approached uh, Ron Hackstall and, and approached, uh, you know, the people above him saying, I don't have the team uh, that I want. Um, you know, I don't have the roster that I want, uh, you know, you need to bring this guy up or that guy up. And, and so maybe it's, yeah, finding a general manager that's going to make those moves, bring the right guys up uh, and give Hackstall the team he wants. Uh, and so when he gets, you know, we've said on this podcast before that, uh, you know, this is finally, you know, the team Hackstall is supposed to coach to, to the second, third, fourth round of the playoffs. Uh, but maybe it's not. Maybe he wanted other players. Uh, you know, one of the big things I keep going back to is, is Travis Sanheim is not playing all that well. Uh, but he was Hextall's nephew, and maybe Hextall was hesitant to uh, send him down, demote him, trade him, whatever. Uh, but but Hextall wants a different deal. Maybe he wants Philippe Myers up or, or, or Sam Morin uh, and can construct a defense better uh, around that type of player, but he wasn't getting uh, that support from from above him, uh, and, and that's where you know, like we were talking about on the podcast yesterday, uh, maybe a shift in the NHL needs to occur where we give coaches uh, more power and more say over their lineup, other than just in training camp. And even then, it, it doesn't seem like they have. Uh, you know, how many stories do we have of, of these young guys throughout the league that should, by all accounts, make the team from camp, uh, but the GM or, or ownership overrides the coach's decision and says, well, no, uh, you know, we got to play this player instead. Uh, maybe it is time to give coaches uh, more say over their roster and, and who they're dressing and, and who's on their in their lineup every night.
the natural thing is to, you know, if the coach isn't getting the, the NHL team to, to play how they need to play, it's fire the coach. But, you know, behind closed doors, if the coach is telling uh, the people above him, well, I don't have the players, but we don't find out about that as fans because they don't want to, uh, you know, indicate that there's problems, uh, you know, that high up in the organization or whatever, uh, you know, everyone just jumps down the coach's throat, but it, but it's they don't have a, a say. Uh, and, and I think if you kind of combine, like you said, whether president or GM gets combined or GM and coach gets combined, uh, you know, if you, the more voices you have, you, you run into too many cooks in the kitchen, uh, where you're just arguing back and forth of, well, we pay this guy too much. He's got to play or, uh, you know, I don't think this guy's ready, even though you do and nothing gets done. You kind of stagnate and, and, and no moves get made. There needs to be more, uh, yeah, you know, like I said yesterday, the, the coach is with the team every day. The coach is at the ice level. They see what's going on. Uh, I, I think they should have a lot more power and a lot more say uh, on the roster construction than I think they currently do. And, and I think some of these, uh, some of the more successful teams year in and year out that, that do that kind of do have that say, uh, you know, are able to to bring guys up or, or at least the general manager listens to them when they say, I want this player. Some would argue that's harkening back to the original days and, and the, uh, the old way hockey hockey was um, with, with coaches having that type of input. Um, next year, they have projected 32 million in cap space. There's, over five million. Ooh, there's like about six million just from goalies coming coming off. Um, there's probably seven, eight million in forwards coming off the books, and, and that's a lot of money. What do you want them to do with that? Do you want them? I mean. There is a solid chance that, like, you, you know, you're looking at the way Carlson's playing this year and everything. It's like, oh, there's a chance maybe that doesn't end in an eight-year contract in San Jose. Um, you know, there's a decent free agent market. And, um, you know, William Nylander could easily eat up some of that cap space uh, in the next day or two. Are there any things that stick out to you, like, oh, this team really needs to get Bobrovsky back. This team really needs to get Panarin. This team needs to... Because you have, you have the money to spend it any way you want. Well, I mean, I think the natural choice is spending that money more on, on forwards uh, just because you can have uh, very cheap but good goaltenders. Uh, you know, if you bring Carter Hart up next year, he's he's not making that much money. Uh, so maybe then spend that, you know, excess money that you have from goalies on a, on a decent backup that can play uh, 40 games if he has to. Uh, but, you know, still throw Carter Hart the majority of the starts as long as he's playing well. Uh, you have, uh, you know, a lot of young defensemen, so your your blue line salary might be fairly cheap too. Uh, so maybe it is re-signing Simmons, uh, which, you know, I'm kind of up in the air on that one. Uh, I don't know how much long he, longer he has left. I think he has a couple years. But, you know, Johnny Gaudreau has said he's wanted to come back to Philly, so maybe – you know, engineer a trade for him, uh, bring his salary on the books. Uh, 
if you're not gonna prevent goals, you at least need to score them. Uh, so maybe you do go a lot younger on the blue line and in the crease, uh, and, and go kind of older and expensive on the on the front front end. Bobrovsky is, I think, the the one person I I think they need to throw an offer out. If if he's a free agent, um, I think whether it's you know a lot of money short term or it's you know they're they're willing to do an eight year contract with a goalie of that age or, or or what. I think you know the need is there and the money's there and you can still do a lot of other stuff even if he signs like an eight year ten million dollar contract. You still have that much cap space. You can do a, a bunch of different stuff. That it's it's almost unnecessary um, to to put what you think is your best offer out there for him. Yeah, I know he it, might just turn it down automatically because of the last time. He yeah, was here, I was gonna I was gonna say I don't know Bobrovsky's mindset, but uh, if I were him, I would not even entertain. Uh, I I would not even take a Flyers phone call uh, after the way they treated him last time. Uh, you know. I, I'd probably even tell my agent to to give them a call and say, don't even bother, because uh, it's a no. I, I don't care how much money. I don't care what the term is. It's a no the, with, with how you treated me last time. I'd love to see Willie Nylander here. I'd love to see Willie Nylander anywhere um, in the league. He's one of my favorite players. But, I, I mean, I don't think offensively they need to – I mean, it'd be nice to get a Panarin. It'd be nice to get Nylander or swing a deal and, you know, bring somebody in. But I'm not too worried about their offense. I think the biggest thing is maybe not so much the talent they add, but the the the, the finishing of dismantling the, the, the crap. Um, you know, Latera obviously takes care of himself, the drug lord. Um Dale Weiss has been okay, but you know it's still 2.35 million next year. He's 30; he's not that great. Raffle's gonna leave at the end of next year. Jordan Wheel, I think, um, you know that experiment can end. Uh, I really like Wheel and everything, but it's 1.75 right now for him. I I don't see that being worthwhile, even just maintaining or taking a little off the top and going like 1.5 or whatever. Um. You know, but like McDonald has another year at five million. Do you buy that out? Do you just bury it? What do you do with it? Um, Gudis, I think, is tradable. It's a hundred percent tradable, and that's somebody I would like to see gone. Um, and I think they have to do that. I mean, whether you like Gudis, whether you think he's worthwhile, I think they want they want complete change. Doing it this early, going from just the GM spot. And and not and leaving Hackstall for the gym or whatever shows that they they're open to a really completely different direction, um, and they're willing to finance it, which is the biggest part. So I think they could do a lot of things, and they could do something crazy like get rid of all the dead weight um, and, and spend a bunch of money in the off season, or, or just save it for signing the kids. Yeah, I, I mean, looking at the at the free agents for next year, I mean, there's a lot of guys you could offer a lot of money to uh, that could improve this team. Like you said, if he gets there, you know, throw a max contract at, at Eric Carlson, uh, you know, bring Jason Spezza in to be a third, fourth line center, uh, you know, throw money at Panarin, Duchesne, 
uh, there's a lot of guys out there that could cost a lot of money that would help improve this this Flyers team. Uh, but I don't know if the only problem with with going for a goalie, especially in free agency, is you're gonna have to give him uh, too much of a term uh, that would probably very much upset Carter Hart because uh, it it kind of blocks him uh, from making his move up to the NHL. And uh, I'd rather you know wait uh, wait for Carter Hart to be ready and be the starter than than bring in someone that's going to start for, for two or three years and then kind of be over the hill or, or not be good enough anymore. Uh, and so that like the fires are in a weird position where they have all these young guys that aren't really that young that, that, that could be ready to play. Uh, but their salary is not really going to be enough. You're going to need to make the money somewhere. Uh, and you know, you're going to have to kind of make a decision of, uh, either getting rid of some of the young defensemen that you have in the system that are waiting to come up uh or you know just making it so you have a ridiculous uh, 12 forwards on your roster or just be content kind of the money that you spend and and not being one of the top spending teams in the league i bet you Sean Couturier is looking at all this cap space and like oh my why did i why but uh center you mentioned you know getting Duchesne or um Spezza to to anchor some of the centers I think Holmgren has said that, you know, beyond goaltending, one of the things they do want to do is shore up some of the center depth just to make sure that they don't have to rely on only young centers behind Couturier. Um, that, you know, they do have a better fill pull-up is basically what he wants. I, I'm he wants, sure you know, he like won't want to move, level. but Joe Thornton's a free agent this year as well. Well, he might move Carlson's moving with him. No, yeah, I mean, there's there's certainly options to... to to bring in a center and, and Thornton would be kind of great because, you know, he shouldn't or, or really can't be that, uh, you know, number one, 20, 20 plus minutes a night. Uh, you, you put him on a third line that plays, you know, 12 minutes, 15 minutes a night. And, uh, that makes your third line a goal scoring line, uh, without a doubt. Uh, it doesn't really matter who's on his wing. Joe Thornton, uh, has over a thousand assists in the NHL. He he's gonna find them. Any any rush on on Voracek? Any doing anything with him? Do you think he needs to stay? Do you think they need to look at moving him? He's at eight two five. He's twenty nine years old and he's got one two three four five years after this one. So I mean, it's not like they. Well, I, I, I think especially yeah. with bringing in JVR, I, I think. One of Voracek or Simmons has to uh, not be on this team moving forward. You're going to have to get rid of one of them. Uh, you'd hate to lose Simmons for nothing uh, w- with how he's played in Philadelphia. And, and he's definitely more so than Voracek, at least. Uh, you know, he embodies the, uh, you know, he embodies the city of Philadelphia. He's he's a fan favorite, uh, you know, for good reason. Uh he brings it most every night. Uh, he's not or he's not afraid to mix it up. Uh, he is, you know, he could have been a career flyer. He he is out and out a, a Philadelphia flyer, uh, and I think fans would really hate to see him go. Uh, Voracek seems to be, you know, fans either love him or hate him. Uh, I, I think he's definitely one you could get away with moving, especially if you brought in the right pieces for him uh, and, and made it worth your while. 
Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I would try and trade Voracek by the deadline, especially if it looks like you're not going to be going anywhere uh, to free up some money to, to resign Wayne Simmons for next year and uh, you know bring in some, some more talent. What's the number? What's the term on Wayne Simmons that you want? I mean, obviously he's not making seven million. He's not making Van Riemsdyk money, um, but he is a UFA, so you know he's his just under four million dollar cap hit will probably get an increase. Uh, yeah, I mean, five, five and a half would probably be uh, right in the range uh, that I'd be comfortable paying him. Uh, maybe a little more just because he's a free a UFA and can go anywhere he wants. And, uh, you know, because he certainly has deserved it in his time in Philadelphia. Um, but I think you could definitely get it. You know, I, I don't think the Flyers have the issue of having to overpay uh, UFAs to, to stick around. Uh, you know, t- players generally want to come here. Uh, they want to play here. Uh, and I think, with his role on the team, he'd be comfortable uh, sticking around for at least somewhat of a hometown discount. Uh, He might be willing to take a little less money to stay in Philadelphia rather than uh, going to a team that maybe isn't so well set up or, uh, you know, where he would have a a lower role, uh, a reduced role. Um, Yeah, I, I would expect him to make at least somewhere in the 5 million range. Is there is there a term you'd like? Is there a term you'd like to stay away from? Uh, well, definitely not max. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I would be, uh, you know, five for five would be about uh, where I'd be comfortable uh, giving to him. Maybe if you get him for a little less money, maybe extend it out to six. But then, you you know, he's a big guy, you know, not that he's breaking down, but it gets tougher and tougher to play. Uh, the older you get, especially the uh, type of game that he plays and, and the type of role that Philadelphia has him in, uh, you know, he definitely deserves more than two or three years, but he does not, you know, he you shouldn't sign him to anything more than five. Yeah, I agree there. I, I, my brain's saying trade Simmer, he, he'll come back in the summer. Yeah. And that's fair. Uh, he might, um, especially if you, you know, do it well and, and you know, kind of trade him to a team that has a chance to win this year. Uh, you know, let him get a shot at a cup elsewhere, and uh, I think you could recruit him back, uh, you know, if you kind of bury him and trade him to somewhere like Arizona or something. It might be a lot tougher to, to convince him to come back. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean – Simmer has outperformed uh, Jake Voracek uh, pretty much every year that they've been on the team together. Uh, and so it would be tough to keep Voracek and ask Simmons to, to take less money uh, than Voracek earns because, uh, you know, he definitely has, you know, the stats to back up that he's more valuable and, and better for the team than Voracek is. I mean, at least you could say, I don't know. I mean, like, Voracek did put in 85 points last year, Um, you know, but if you're looking goals-wise, yeah, and how many of those assists are, 
I think Voracek is a player that's more replaceable given who the Flyers have in their system on their depth and if I can get a simmer on a smaller contract for the same amount of years left in Voracek's contract, yeah, I probably would do it. Yeah. Just because I think, um, one, you do need some money. So you, you do, you do need to have, if they're going to have go cheap in the goalie, like you said, with hard and, and, uh, maybe just, um, I don't know, Brian Elliott, but a Brian Elliott type. Uh, back and, and, and to kind of your point, maybe that is why you uh, you know buy out Andy McDonald at the end of this year just to have uh, some of that cap on, on the books for the next couple of years because your blue line is probably going to be and your and your crease is probably going to be pretty cheap over the next couple of years that you can certainly afford to to swallow that salary uh, just to you know I, I don't think they're going to have a problem getting to the floor but it you know it, it helps give you that little buffer. Uh, that you then can maybe make a trade for, you know, for a high contract, for a low contract, because you have uh, that couple million on the books uh, for Andy McDonald to not play, which, you know, I'd be paying him not to play. I would have done that years ago, but. Yeah, imagine paying him to play. That, <laughs> that's, that's the real, that's the real weird. Right. Um, it's interesting that. There's there's clear issues. I mean, like we can just like with the Panthers, I mean, we can point to where things need to change. But um, I think unlike with the Panthers, um, the amount of prospects they have. I mean, their reserve list is like 75, something like that. It's ridiculous. Um, the the promise that those prospects have it's not just a bunch of contracts. I mean, there's guys like Carter Hart. I mean, there's four. There's probably four to five good chances for a starting goalie in their prospect pool right now. There's not even four to five good prospects in the Panthers' prospect pool, really. Like, like yeah, like legit. Uh, of any position, yeah. And, and you know, it's so there's so much that like it's. Well, that's why I don't in... really have any expectations. I don't have any really wants with with the with the Flyers other than I think Hacksaw needs to go. I mean I I think if Hacksaw is the coach next year, you haven't really done enough, in my opinion. Um and I think the other thing is start playing the younger guys uh in the minors and seeing what you have is something I else I'd like to see. Uh, mainly um let's get Philippe Myers up here. That that's the that's a number one, I think it's is getting Philippe Myers into the NHL and seeing what he has, and deciding you know whether him or Sandheim or who who you can move to to get some better talent because you also need to get um, not just have all your prospects in your back your 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 back six. I would like to see them go get like a Jake Muzzin or you know some a top four stable from outside the organization um, with some pedigree with some talent that can you know bolster. This, this defense, because I don't want to be in a situation like this year where there's maybe one defenseman on a night with a half-working brain. Well, and that's why the Flyers are in a very interesting position, and I, I think maybe the, the Hextall firing might have come too late because, you know, by keeping all of those young guys down in the AHL for so long, you're keeping the next contract down, uh, and they're in this interesting spot of, having a lot of good talent ready to come up, but they're going to be cheap and they're going to need to find a way to spend that money, uh, you know, to, to be salary cap compliant. Uh, and, you know, that might mean you end up burying 
two or three of these good prospects, you know, longer than you should and, and basically forever uh, if you don't get rid of them. Uh, and, and that's, you, you know, they, they've hurt themselves by not willing to make a move on some of these young guys because they want to be patient and, and bring them up in their own system. But, you know, I think two years ago, you probably could have got a lot more for a guy like Sam Morin than you can now. Uh, you know, same with Travis Sanheim. Uh, a lot of these guys, you could have gotten at least uh, more draft picks and, and, you know, draft picks down the line for these guys. And now it's a lot tougher to do that because, you know, they're they're entering their prime seasons. They're entering these, these times where they should be uh, everyday NHLers. They, you know, teams don't know what they have. Uh, if you had gotten more and more NHL time or Philippe Myers more NHL time by this point, uh, teams would be willing to give up more and take more of a risk uh, trading for him because they would at least have a baseline of what kind of NHL player they're going to be. And now it's just a risk. They might be AHL players their whole career. They might be top four NHL defensemen. Uh, you, you know, you're less willing to make a deal as an outside GM uh, for that much of an unknown. As great as their drafting has been, uh, you know, it might have all been for naught if you can't get these guys into the NHL and you can't get anything out of them for a trade, uh, you know, you just kind of had one of the best prospect systems in the NHL for years and, and did nothing with it. Well, yeah, if you're not pushing people through, if there's not, you know, progression, if there's not steps and there's, there's not benchmarks that you're pushing people through, um, like you said, I mean, it's kind of weird that Oscar Lindblom took a lot that long to get to the AHL. It's kind of weird um, that Travis Sanheim is still, you know, a defenseman who maybe at the time of draft was like, oh, this is uh, this is weird. But like Shabbat, by the, the year or two after, really turned some heads. And uh, what did they do? They stuck him in the AHL and they yo-yoed him a little bit and they didn't play him in the NHL level. And had they, um, we wouldn't be in this situation right now with him. We'd at least We'd at least know whether he's, you know, in the NHL or the AHL, he'd be, he'd be one way or the other by now. It's frustrating, but the good news is um, there's going to be a guy coming in here who, by all accounts, will not have Philadelphia history, will not have Philadelphia connections or background or knowledge, like, you know, that would keep him from just coming in and just changing all this for. The other, without any hesitation. I mean, I think a lot of the issues with Hextall was um, not wanting to change something that he put into place and um, would would be for nothing. And I think that was a lot of point of pride with Hextall is he didn't want to give up on things and and have things mean nothing in the end. Uh, he wanted to, he wanted to see things through instead of changing course and. I'm happy they changed course because I'm now watching. I mean, I think one of the things people ask us the most is like why we don't cover Philadelphia as much. And it was probably the Hextall effect. It was probably just the, the mediocrity without the changes, without the. Yeah. Cause it was, there was um, no changes for, you know, two to three years. It was just the same team and same thing over and over again. And I mean, I guess you could argue the Panthers are the same way, but, uh, there was a lot more to be angry about and, and a lot more to talk about with Florida uh, than there was Philadelphia because, you know, 
it is it was what it was uh and now it's exciting that there's uh some new blood coming in that that might shake things up and, and might uh make this team you know interesting again all right before we sign off on the podcast uh let's get your final willie nylander does he sign in toronto is he traded or is he playing in europe and we're waiting till the summer or whatever to figure it out I mean, I wouldn't be surprised uh, if a non-playoff team uh, ended up traded for him uh, in the next couple weeks or or even by the deadline. Uh, You know, I think a lot of teams that were interested uh, at the beginning of the season and now, you know, because of where they are in the standings, uh, were willing to take the chance that the price might come down uh, after December 1st uh, because he won't be able to play in the playoffs for Toronto. And and if my team's not making the playoffs, he's still valuable to me and the ability to uh, negotiate with him first uh, at, at, at the end of this year uh, is still worth something. But, you know, you can tell Toronto, well, you know, we can give you a player that you can use uh, you know, for the rest of the season and, and, and in the playoffs where Nylander, yeah, sure, you can use him for the rest of the season if you end up signing him, but uh, you won't get him in the playoffs. Uh, so I, I think he's still, uh, if he does not sign with Toronto uh, in the next day, uh, I think he still gets moved at some point this year uh, because, frankly, if it goes past, you know, if he can't play in the playoffs for Toronto this year, I, I don't see what's stopping him from doing the same thing next year if, if he's still uh, their property. Uh, you know, he's still not going to be happy uh, asking, you know, being asked to take a pay cut uh, with all the money that they're spending, with the rumors of how much Mitch Marner is going to get. Uh, you, you know, if he doesn't sign by December 1st, he, I, I don't think he's going to play another game in a Toronto sweater. Uh, and I think it gives a lot more leverage to teams outside of the playoffs. Uh, uh, to negotiate a deal. I agree. If he's not signed by December 1st, there's no reason Toronto should keep him around. Um, he's not going to be able to play the playoffs for you this year, as you said, if he's not signed by December 1st, um, even if he can play the rest of the regular season. Um, and there's no real reason to drag it out. I mean, I think maybe they don't trade him right away. You know, Maybe they can trade him at the draft. Maybe they can trade him in August. You know, they can afford to make his life uncomfortable. Um, but I, I think the plan would be, yeah, why should we, we – we're already going to be in such a cap pinch. Why should we continue to put off those cap situations to fit in Neyland? Or if he's going to be playing hardball, we got to move forward without him. And I think they, they're, they're going to give him enough time to December 1st. I think, of course, Neylander's doing the right thing and holding out for what he thinks he's worth. I think he gets moved. I think he's moved Friday – Around 7 p.m., 8 p.m., um, maybe like first intermission or something, it'll break or something like that. But um, I think he gets moved, and I would bet, I would bet money he is moved right to Philadelphia. I mean, they certainly have the best, uh, the best chance bet. at it. So. I'll definitely bet you. I'll, I won't bet money. I'll, oh, yeah, I guess I won't bet money. I'll bet you a beer or two, like a <laughs> six pack or something. Um, because 
I, I, I need something positive to believe in, something to throw my whole faith behind. Um, because right now it's the Colorado Avalanche, and that just feels weird. Yeah, no, please. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just going to put on my William Nylander Sweden Junior jersey, authentic. Um, but he got concussed and uh, cried myself to sleep until he's on. <laughs> right. He's, this, this NHL year has been, I feel like, you know, both of my teams that I like, the Flyers and the Panthers, sitting at 22 points, dead last in the East, is a sign that this season's just not about me. Nylander hasn't played yet. I mean, it's just... The only good the thing is Miko Rantanen's leading the, leading the league in points, even though I hate, you know, that he plays for the Avalanche. I, I still I still love Re- Miko Rantanen, so I, I'm happy about that, but uh, yeah, I just but wish it, it was in a Florida us. sweater. <laughs> definitely hurts us. It should be ours. Um, yeah, so I guess that's it for this podcast. It's a little longer because we wanted to, of course, thank, thank Petri, thank Petri. Uh, uh, for that Henrik Kapla update. And then, of course, after last night's, and keep it coming, Petri. Uh, you know, I'd like to hear a lot more about uh, Hebuniemi and, uh, you know, anyone uh, that has a chance at, at making the NHL from Finland. Uh, yeah. As our listeners probably know, we are very big fans of uh, Swedes and Finns, and uh, it's unfortunate that you don't hear uh, as much uh, over here in the States about uh, about players from there. Uh, and, you know, I think without a doubt, we think that they're some of the most talented players uh, in the world. So, yeah, a- any more information uh, you, you Scandinavians have for us, uh, we'll talk about it. Yep, feel free to uh, even send some audio files. We'll just drop them in, <laughs> especially if you don't want us to butcher your name. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. At least send us some pronunciations. Uh, again, we're sorry if we we mispronounced it. I yeah, I can't believe I do a podcast with uh, how lazy my time is. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Hopefully, hopefully good hockey. This, yeah, <laughs> hopefully on the other side of this horizon, there's good hockey because you Flyers fans, you Panthers fans, you deserve it. I don't know how you guys do it. I don't know how you girls do it. I mean, like it's it's ridiculous. It's um. I understand why I do it because I've I've learned that I'm just a masochist. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah right. <laughs> so it, it makes sense why I put myself through because I, I like to do it to myself. I don't know why others do. Um, maybe take up uh, what's that? Uh, pickleball is that the new the new thing? Oh, I don't know. Never it's, heard that. It's like. Um, like small court tennis with like smaller, ra- like weirder rackets and stuff. And it's more like explosive. Or, or, is it, short- or is it just extra large ping pong? That's a good question. <laughs> uh, but usually it's like doubles. Although I guess extra large ping pong would just be tennis. So maybe it's just large ping pong. I don't know. I don't know enough about pickleball, but maybe everybody should just play some pickleball if you're in Florida. If you're north of Florida, you're not going outside to play anything, but. Hockey and uh, tiddlywinks, so. Play some jacks by the malt machine.